Hey, it's Patrick. Before we start, at the time of this recording, we went through a bit of a name rebranding from Rick Center to Altitude Accelerator. With that in mind, we hope you enjoy the following interview. Welcome to the Startups Transform podcast. I'm Patrick McGuire, your host, board member and advisor at Altitude Accelerator, where we help startups scale to new heights. We chat with phenomenal tech business leaders who've climbed their way to success within their industry. Our guests delve deep into the lessons they've learned along the way so that you can get a head start on your next big idea. I got something really awesome, something that's close to my heart. I love it, obviously. It's something that uh, I'm just a big fan of, and it's making a difference in communities everywhere. I want to introduce you to Vince. And he is with joyride.city if you want to check him out on the website. Vince, thank you so much for coming on the podcast with Rick Center, Startups Transformed. Uh, I'm just really happy to have you here. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Patrick. Tell me what kind of inspired this and, and why in your life you decided to do Joyride. Yeah, so as a cyclist in Toronto, I was really just trying to find a way to stay safe while riding my bike. It, I noticed that a lot of commuters like myself didn't really have a lot of great cycling infrastructure to protect us while we were riding. And it didn't seem like the city had enough data about where people were riding, because if they did, they could build that cycling infrastructure. So I thought if there was a way that I could collect real-time data about where I was riding and I could share that with the city, maybe that would help encourage them to build that kind of safe cycling infrastructure. And so I've got a Raspberry Pi online and I created a uh, tracking device using free public Wi-Fi around downtown. And I thought, okay, this is a great way to share this data with the city. And it turned out that solution was actually really helpful for bike sharing and bike rental companies. And they started actually reaching out saying that they needed this type of technology so they could track where their fleet of bikes were going while people were riding them because there was no technology built in the bikes. Now this is 2014. So if you can kind of Think of like a traditional bike sharing station, like in Toronto or Montreal or New York, if you've come across them, any of these bigger cities, all the technology is built in the station, nothing in the bikes. And so effectively, they wanted to turn their bikes into smart bikes. And so spent the next couple of years doing this. And we started to notice that a couple of companies in China started launching what is now known as like a dockless bike sharing system. So you could actually just go up to a bike anywhere on the street scan a QR code with your mobile phone and unlock it. And then when you're done your trip, you could just click a button and the bike would lock and you can end your ride anywhere. And so you didn't have to go to a docking station. This was pretty novel at the time. And I thought, well, this is a really good opportunity because this is going to come to North America. It's going to come to Europe. Eventually, it's such a great solution for bike sharing and getting around a city. Because if you've ever used bike sharing, you have to find a docking station that's empty, that's not full. If it's full, you have to find the next nearest docking station, which actually might not be close to your real destination. So it could be a big hassle. Hey, Vince, actually, I got, I got to tell you on this one. I did that and I was yeah. cutting it close in Toronto. So probably one of yours, I don't know. Um, yeah. <laughs> cutting it close and I had to go to the next nearest. I had no idea where it was. The next nearest docking station. I went over my limit. Yeah, and you go over your limit, you get charged because they only give you 30 minutes, right? And so this is the other, it's a bad user experience. And so 
I mean, this blew up in China, like the market for about 10 years, there was only about a million bike sharing bikes in the world. And then all of a sudden within one year, these two companies alone deployed 20 million bikes just in China. Some cities had over a million bikes just on their own. And so you can imagine how popular this was. So we ended up launching like our own dockless bike sharing system to more or less test our hardware. To do that, you have to build the software platform that comes along with it. And then we realized that if we started partnering with a lot of these bike lock companies in China, who are making these just bike locks for other bike sharing companies, we integrated with them. Other companies could use our software platform to launch their own bike sharing system. So we helped launch our first customer in India using our platform as more of like a white label solution. We launched them under their own brand. And then we launched another company in Jordan. And then we launched another company in Canada. And right away, we started to build up this platform for, it wasn't called micro mobility at the time, but bike sharing. And then there was one company in the United States who started deploying dockless scooters. And right away, we thought there's an opportunity there. And so we started helping companies launch their own form of dockless scooter sharing as well. And so, yeah, that that kind of turned into not just like a bike sharing or scooter sharing system, but this full micro mobility platform. So we realized that we could offer the entire software solution for anyone who wants to launch their own bike sharing or scooter sharing uh, fleet in any city that they're in, anywhere around the world. And it was like a really good way to help the environment, get people out of cars, get people around traveling around their city in a cheaper way and really in a more fun way. And so this was like a really good solution for cities. And people were really excited to launch this type of business. So they started using our platform to do that. That's that's actually pretty cool. I love that. The fact that you know you saw some advancements of your own first and you came up with this idea and then you saw advancements in other countries and you kind of took it to the next level. Uh, an evolution of ideas that all come together to get critical mass and momentum. Uh, obviously resulting in uh, the micro-mobility, if you will, of Joyride and, and really solidifying your platform and your concept. Scooters, dockless scooters, I didn't even know they had that concept of scooter sharing. I mean, kids got scooters everywhere. Can we do that? The majority of our customers are actually in the scooter sharing business. Uh, really popular. It's not really popular here in Canada. There's a couple cities that have done it, like Ottawa, Montreal, Kelowna. However, across Europe, across the United States, it's a really big business. That's amazing. It's just so much fun to get around on an electric vehicle. I love the fact that anybody can pick up a bike and anybody, almost anybody can ride. But being able to share and have data tied to it is very, very powerful. When you first went to market with your concept, did you say, I'm going to partner with the ride sharing community right away? Or did you think you were going to do something different? Like, tell me how this really came together as a business model versus what you already told us the concept of it. When we first started, it was a consumer product. So we're building a product in the consumer space. And when we realized that, okay, there's a potential in the business for the business community to use this, like the bike sharing community, keep in mind, dockless bike sharing as like an industry didn't exist. If you wanted to run your own bike sharing system, all of those up until that point were run through the city. There were no entrepreneurs launching their own really like a private model of bike sharing or certainly not scooter sharing and bringing that to a city because the concept didn't really exist because at that time you needed a docking station and you can't can't just like 
deploy your own docking station anywhere. Right. But now that you don't need a docking station, you can just have bikes and scooters anywhere. So that started to become kind of illegal pretty quickly. And you couldn't just dump tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of vehicles across the city anymore. And that started to happen. But we really saw like a need for these companies who wanted to launch this kind of business you can't just do it on your own. It's really challenging. You have to get all the vehicles. You have to build the operations team. You have to buy all the specialized hardware to enable any of this. So smart locks, right? With GPS tracking, with Bluetooth. Then you need to build the whole software platform on top of that to manage all your users, to manage all your vehicles, to manage all the payments, and then also have a mobile app for all your customers to download and connect to all your vehicles. Even just connecting and managing all of those vehicles in itself can be quite challenging, especially at that scale. And so right away, people just kept coming to us, telling us about their problems. So we were kind of lucky in the sense that we had built the solution before we realized the full potential of it. We were just building a solution to kind of solve our problem, to launch our own hardware, so we needed to build the software, but turned out other people needed that software as well. So that's kind of how we approached it. That's amazing. I'm curious, have any large bike brands approached you? We've spoken to a lot of large bike brands, just large operators, lots of different people across the entire industry. We've spoken to in some way or another who want to, usually it's not like specifically the bike brand who wants to launch like a citywide bike sharing system. They'll usually want to resell their bikes to operators right. who are interested in launching this type of business. And so that's generally the route. Okay. We've spoken to some brands who might want to do like a small trial at their store, or their retail location or something like that, but certainly not in the past year. But yeah, generally it's more so the entrepreneur who wants to launch this type of business, like think Shopify for mobility. Like if you're an entrepreneur, you want to launch your own mobility business. Like if you want to launch your own t-shirt business, you go to Shopify. But if you want to launch your own mobility business, how do you do that? Well, you go to Joyride. And so we'll help you get the vehicles. We'll get you the entire platform, the entire mobile app. We'll help you with your RFP. We'll help you with your branding. We'll help you with your insurance We'll help you figure out your operations. We'll help you with everything end to end. And so those are the types of customers that come to us. It might not just be like your traditional public sharing business, but it could be also a private B2B business as well. So maybe it's in the hotel space, maybe it's in campuses, maybe it's in corporate offices, delivery as well. We have a lot of customers getting into the delivery industry. And it could also be if you're a transit agency as well. We do have a customer that is a transit agency that's providing uh, bike sharing is a solution is another modality for the entire city. And so that's really exciting for us. That is pretty cool. I had a few thoughts that came to mind. Obviously, being Canadian, I think of Da Vinci. Um, and and mm-hmm. they were having some struggles in terms of their brand growing and getting global recognition. But all of a sudden, they got into the bike mobility and the bike sharing category. And they're the major players in North America for that sort of product. Most of their business, in fact, I know this, is, is building ride-sharing bikes. So that's the one that came to mind when I thought big brands. I thought, ah, Da Vinci should talk to you guys and, and see how they can place it in other companies around the world. But that's uh, pretty cool. Yeah, we're seeing a lot of growth in e-bikes as well. And so a lot of traditional manufacturers like specialized getting into the e-bike space. The first time I got it on an e-bike, I was like, holy crap, man, this is awesome. Like, this is so much fun. Seriously, Why would don't, you... don't tell me that. I'm not. Have, you, have you been on an e-bike? No. Go on an e-bike. You're going to be like, 
this is amazing. Like, oh no, why am I busting my ass to like commute anywhere where I could just like put in one fifth of the power? And trust me, I love like busting my ass to get around the city. But if you don't want to get to your destination covered in sweat, if you're trying to get to an office and you don't want to shower at the office because it's yeah. kind of it's super <laughs> annoying to do that. It's a really fun and accessible way to get around, and it gets so many more people who wouldn't normally ride a bike riding a bike. Absolutely agree with that. There are a lot more people riding in general, but there are more people riding who wouldn't normally ride because of that e-bike concept. You're you're 100 spot on. I mean, get on an e-bike, try it, just try it. You'll have fun. I promise you. <laughs> oh man, I'm I'm hitting in my head. You can rip. <laughs> I don't know if I can do it, and and I. I have that snobbery uh, issue, I guess. I got issues. We all know that. I'm an entrepreneur and, and so is Vince. <laughs> and we just do these things because we're gluttons for punishment. But maybe an e-bike makes it easier. And quite honestly, in the ride-sharing community, I'm just going to assume that you're seeing uptick with ride-sharing and e-bikes. Would that be a right statement? Yeah, absolutely. And we see a lot of our customers, a lot of operators replacing their entire fleet or at least a large percentage of their fleet with e-bikes. I mean, the pro- the only reason why you wouldn't is just because of the difference in cost. Okay. But yeah. Then you can start integrating tracking systems into the vehicle and get real-time vehicle diagnostics as well. Right. And, you would know the usage, you know, the wear and tear, replace it before it falls apart type thing. Yeah. And so the bikes are getting a lot smarter and you can do a lot more interesting things with the vehicle in itself, but it's also such a better user experience. Like, most people who are traveling, commuting, just want to check out the city. Like you're renting a bike sharing bike, not to race up a hill. Yeah. yeah. You know? So. Yeah. And, and we talked about Strava before. So a lot of people track it because they want to know where they rode and how hard they rode and how long they rode. Did their heart fluctuate? Did it explode? All that stuff. And they're not necessarily always the ride sharing community. It's the bigger population. Yeah. You don't have like it. tourists like down, like installing Strava to like, like upload their commute around toronto you know that's not happening it's cool to hear why you got into it and and why you did it why you're still doing it and you're projecting the future with you know scooters and e-bikes and it's pretty awesome out of curiosity how many users are using joyride technology these days or how do you measure it first of all the way we measure it is really about the number of different operators we have and the number of cities that they're in because there's lots of different users who use our platform but really we we're getting close to 100 different operators now well over 100 different cities around the world we're in over 30 different countries from canada united states lots of cities across europe uh, south africa korea india wow just just really around the world and we have people coming to us every single day asking if we can help them launch their own bike sharing system or scooter sharing system and bring it to their city and really transform how mobility looks and feels and operates. Oh man, I love it. So impressed and so proud and so happy for you. Thanks. Well, I, I mean, it's really goes out to all the different entrepreneurs around the globe who want to bring and transform their city. And they're really the ones who are taking the big leap of faith here and bringing a really good solution for their community, like you were saying off the top. So that's kind of like what makes us really happy and keeps us motivated every day, seeing the motivation of our customers. Yeah, that that's great. Um, yeah, this is not easy, not cheap. And, you know, tell me to shut up if you want, but I'm curious, have you guys done a couple of rounds? How'd you guys get this thing off the ground, bootstrapped and then a seed or a friends and family? Are you independently wealthy? How'd that all go for Joyride? 
Um, so we raised a small family and friends. Well, it depends on what you think is small or big. To me, it was very big at the time. It was about 20, just under 25000 so $24,500 from family and friends. And I just went to all my friends and all my family and begged them all for money. And I think I got about 15 people together to just pool in money and just say, okay, Vince, like, go ahead. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> Don't expect to see this money back, but uh, have fun. Yeah. So I did that and then really relied on a lot of grants from the Ontario Center of Excellence, which is now some, called something else. I can't remember OCI. We, I think we got a grant very early on for $15,000. Uh, this is all Canadian. And then uh, I think like another one for 30000 Then they actually participated in a round of investment for about uh, $100,000. So the Ontario government has been super supportive. Like I said, lots of grants from all over the country, pretty much any grant that you can, we applied for it. So that's helped us a lot. Since then, we've uh, met different angel investors and uh, we've raised about just over a million dollars in financing over the past, nice. I guess it's close to six or seven years now. Okay, that's pretty good. I mean, that's still, I mean, when you think about it, that's not a lot of risk exposure when it comes to raising funds. And I always think of that. I think of... Uh, as a board member at Rick and as an entrepreneur who's got a disease myself that just keeps doing new stuff, a million dollars risk, because I do think of that when I borrow someone's money, it's a risk for me, it's a risk for them. You get added pressures, as you already know that. Mm -hmm. You got to treat the money as if it's your own and you got to get it back to them somehow. So it, it's scary sometimes. But a million over seven years to be as big as you are is really not a whole lot. I've heard of companies blow a million bucks in a year and they got nowhere. Yeah, I mean, it depends what you're building, right? And at the beginning, we were building hardware. And I've always been pretty conservative and cost conscious, mostly because we didn't have money, so I couldn't really spend it. And so building hardware cheap is very hard. And so yeah. the transition from a hardware product to a software platform really helped in terms of being able to scale and grow our customer base without necessarily having to invest like tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars into the actual product before we could even go to market, right? Because when you're selling hardware, you have to spend all this money before you can actually sell anything. Yeah. With software, you can iterate really quickly and develop as you go and start providing a solution to customers kind of like on day one with like even a, an MVP or a beta version. Right. So that's, that's what we did very early on. Great. Out of curiosity, obviously, you know, being Startups Transformed, a podcast from Rick Center, how did you get connected with Rick Center? Great question. So it goes back to my earlier point of being scrappy and trying to find grants and funding anywhere I could without having to give up anything, either dilution of the company or whatever. It's just part of my search and getting connected to a lot of different, I think we're part of a couple of different organizations here across Ontario. But the Rick Center specifically got connected through a mentor who was just involved several years ago. And yeah, we signed up to become part of the process. And it's been actually really helpful having a mentor there who's helped us with fundraising rounds and getting us connected with other investors. It's been super helpful. We got great people at Rick Center. So I'm going to say that right now. I, I love everybody that's in Rick Center is there to... They've either been entrepreneurs or they love entrepreneurs and they really commit to help and the resources are amazing. I absolutely love it. Who was that person that got you that intro and helped mentor you? Got me the intro. Honestly, I can't tell you it was so long ago. And the reason and the reason was because I I met him for like 10 minutes and then he left. Oh no. <laughs> and then I didn't really have much of a connection to the Rick Center 
there was a big gap. And then uh, we got introduced to a new mentor after that. And so the actual first person, I could, honestly, I couldn't remember. Yeah, well, uh, hey, you're in and you did a great hand. job and, and you said they helped. So I think that's... They did, great. Yeah, well, yeah, they helped. And they, they, it's, it's great because you get in, included as part of a network and there's so many different people and so many different resources. People at the Rick have helped us quite a bit, especially recently. So Awesome. I love it. How do people find you, get in touch with you, or pitch you their ride-sharing future ideas? Yeah, they can just go to our website, joyride.city, fill out our contact form, fill that out. Or if you want to reach out to me directly, it's vince at joyride.city. And yeah, if you're thinking of starting your own bike-sharing or scooter-sharing fleet and transforming your the transportation in your city, um, the way people get around and do something good for the environment, just reach out to us and we'll get you started. That's fantastic. And Vince, I mean, two questions. What's the next big thing or how do you see the opportunity for Joyride? Yeah, like I said, we're in over 100 different cities today, but there are over 10,000 cities around the world that our product could be used in. And so our goal over the next five years is to find operators in those 10,000 cities who can launch this type of business and do something good for the environment. Like I said, transform their community transform transportation and change how people get around and feel about their community, especially in the age of COVID where people don't want to necessarily jump into a bus. They don't <laughs> yeah. want to get into a crowded subway or get in the back of an Uber or a taxi. They want something that they can trust a little bit more and feel like they're not going to risk infection being yeah. in a crowded space. And so we see that as kind of accelerating what we thought was an inevitability is just growing a lot faster. And so the next 10,000 cities will be in. That is a good plan. And I talk about BHAG, Big Hairy Audacious Goals. That's a big one. 10,000 cities for Joyride <laughs> is awesome. Go for it. Get it. And I have no doubt that you're going to do it. It's just a matter of when, not if, right? Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> no, it definitely when. <laughs> Here's my last question for you. Being an entrepreneur, going through all this stuff, the goods, the bads, the uglies, the ups, the downs, the sweats, the tears, and the smashing your head on the keyboard type stuff. Would you do it again? Oh, man. <laughs> I don't know. Knowing what I know now, would I do it all again? Or would I? Uh, it's been a lot of heads on the keyboard moments. No, yeah. but it's been fun. Honestly, the people I work with, I love having such a good time every single day. And I like working at a company where I love the mission. I love the values. I really like what we're doing and, and seeing like a difference that we can help people make. So that, that part has been super motivating. So yeah, I would do this business again. I don't know if I would do like launch like a payroll software company, but just be any kind of entrepreneur, but I'd have to really enjoy what I'm doing. Yeah, absolutely. And you say that that's so funny because I've been part of that one. The payroll software company. Yeah, me too. And I apologize to uh, my former colleagues and, and employers there. Yeah, very cool. I love, the, I love those businesses. Yeah, I've done the HR tech, the FinTech payroll. Uh, so I get it. Uh, I'm a sports tech guy <laughs> now. So anyways, Vince, I mean, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for sharing your story, talking about how your startup was transformed, talking about how Rick was part of it. Uh, we can't remember that guy that got us connected, but he got you in the I will door. find it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I think that's perfect, though. That's about taking the meeting and always saying yes. And that's an entrepreneurial spirit. I'll say yes to any good meeting or good idea. And if that's what gets me in the door to get to my next great step for success, fantastic. Well, I may never get this chance to meet with you if that individual didn't say, hey, go check out Rick. 
Yeah, that's, that's so true. It's, it's really crazy how that happens. Like I think back, like a lot of the good connections I have now and a lot of the people who helped me out were just like random, you know, you get that random email connection. Hey, I want to intro you to whoever yeah. like you said, take the meeting. You never know where it's going to go. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that one. And, and thank you so much for sharing it and being honest. I love your honest answer that you just don't know if you would do it all over again. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> and it's, it's guys like you who are honest, transparent, truthful, and they love riding bikes. That makes me say, Vince, thank you so much. And I want to ride with you when we get the chance, considering we're both Absolutely. Toronto through Hamilton once in a while. So let's figure Absolutely. out how to make that happen. And just, again, from Rick Center and Startups Transform, thank you so much and congratulations. And I look forward to the next time we do this and the 10,000 cities that you're in. (laughs) Can't wait. Thanks, Patrick. Thank you for joining us on Startups Transform podcast. You can subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. If you enjoyed the conversation, a rating or review goes a long way. Recommend the show to a friend. Find us at altitudeaccelerator.com where we can help you begin your startup journey with access to our workshops, advisors, and mentorship opportunities. Be sure to tune in for our next episode.